0: Good morning, everyone. If you're not already in Galatians chapter 2, please turn there. In Monday's chapel, Dr. Stevenson opened Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 through 7 for us. And we read there in verses 6 and 7, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. This morning, we want to think further about what it means to be crucified with Christ. And to do so, we will look at Paul's words that were written perhaps a a decade earlier than his letter to the Romans likely the first of his epistles, the letter to the Galatians. In our passage for this morning, Paul explains his theology of union with Christ in his crucifixion and resurrection. So we want to reflect on this for a few moments together and then consider the practical application of this doctrine to our lives today. So verse 15 of chapter 2, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Paul recorded his response to Peter's hypocrisy of withdrawing from Gentile Christians and eating exclusively with Jewish Christians back in verse 14 of this chapter. He said there, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Perhaps Paul's address to Peter then continues in the verses that we're looking at this morning, although it's not as clear. Paul was a Jew by birth, just as Peter was. The Jews believed, and rightly so, that they were God's chosen people and that that made them special because of his covenant with them and his dealings with them, particularly through the giving of the law of Moses. There was this mentality of us versus them, when it came to how the Jews thought about everyone else. Gentiles were automatically sinners then in Jewish thinking because they did not have the law of God and could not keep a law that they didn't have. Verse 16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul and Peter both knew that people are not justified through the works of the law, but rather through faith in Jesus Christ. The avenue of our salvation is not our own accomplishments, or merits, but are trusting in, are depending upon Jesus Christ as our Savior. Paul says that both he and Peter have believed in King Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel, and because of this faith, they are now justified before God. Justification is legal language. It is courtroom jargon that denotes a declaration of of righteousness, In other words, people are not declared righteous in God's heavenly courtroom on account of their ability to uphold the law of Moses. Declaration of righteousness only comes through faith in Jesus on the basis of his sacrificial death on the cross. Furthermore, Paul says that no one will be declared righteous Or justified before God based on the works of the law. The reason for this is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul later says in his letter to the Romans. Our sin has so permeated our humanity that it has infected us down to the very core. And in our fallen condition, we are unable to keep the letter of the law. And so the law has only the power to condemn us, not to justify us, not to change us or transform us. Verse 17, Paul goes on to say But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. It's a difficult verse, but I understand Paul's argument to be as follows. If as we live our lives as followers of Christ, no longer under the law, but freed from its dominion, if we are viewed then as sinners, just like the Gentiles who do not have the law of Moses, Paul would later say in Romans six fourteen, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Some of the Judaizers, those who were following after Paul, perhaps telling those in churches that he had recently planted or begun, that uh, faith in Jesus Christ was not sufficient; they needed to keep all of the law of Moses as well. Uh, Perhaps some of these Judaizers were attacking Paul as anti-law in his gospel presentation. In their thinking, the Christ that Paul proclaimed was an agent of evil. He was an antinomian, a lawbreaker, a servant of sin. Paul addresses this question here. So we could paraphrase his words in verse 17 as follows. If I seek to live my life through the faith in Jesus Christ that brings true justification, I am understood by some to be unlawful, like the Gentiles. Does this mean that Christ himself is a servant of sin? Paul's response then is in the strongest language Possible, the same phrase we heard in Romans 6 2 on Monday. May it never be, God forbid, not on your life. In contrast to what Paul may have been accused of by the circumcision party, the actual transgressors were the ones rebuilding what had been torn down through faith in Jesus Christ. So when Peter was removing himself, from fellowship with Gentile believers to eat exclusively with the Jewish believers and likely fell back into adhering to Mosaic food restrictions at the same time, he was in danger of propping up old covenant laws that were no longer applicable for a new covenant people. Incidentally, God had already revealed this to Peter at Joppa through a vision in Acts chapter 10. Peter really should have known better. It is possible to know what is right then and what is true and not act on it. On the night Jesus was betrayed, Peter had said to Jesus, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Matthew 26, 35. He knew he should stick with Jesus to the bitter end. But when the situation turned dire, he forsook the Lord, denying even knowing him in the presence of multiple witnesses. Why did he do that? Fear of men, fear of other people. What others will think of us for following Christ? Or what others might do to us? for living for Christ. This can be a real obstacle in our endeavor to become more like the Lord Jesus. How can this be overcome? Well, Paul's going to give us some very practical help as we continue in reading our passage. Verse 19, he says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Paul had lived his life up until his conversion deeply concerned to keep every last letter of the Mosaic law. In fact, he says of himself in Philippians 3.6 that when it came to righteousness under the law, he considered himself blameless. That's a pretty strong statement. He had once believed the law to be his avenue of salvation, But in fact, the law turned out to be powerless to actually save him. However, the law did have one very powerful effect, and that was to demonstrate Paul's inability to keep it perfectly and by his own power. The law, then, is like a mirror for our very souls. And to the unregenerate person, the law serves to reveal sinfulness, when Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, he realized that he must die to the law. The glorious appearance of Jesus to Paul made him finally and ultimately aware that salvation does not come from law keeping. Commentator Doug Moo says here when Paul therefore claims that he has died to the law, he means that he has been released from the binding authority of the law of Moses. How foolish then for Peter or any other Jewish Christian to rebuild that authority again. So the law has neither the power to save us nor the power to change us. All the law can do is to convict us and condemn us. Faith in Jesus Christ has freed us, then, from trying to save ourselves and given us the ability through the indwelling Spirit of God to live, to truly live our lives for God. Verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse is really the focus of our attention this morning. Verse 20 shows Paul's understanding of his union with Christ. What precisely it means to be united to him. When was Paul crucified with Christ? It was when God the Father was pleased to reveal his son to Paul on the road to Damascus. There, Paul died to his old way of life. Saul, the zealous Pharisee, persecutor of Christians, died on the road to Damascus. Saul, slave of Jesus Christ, found his new life in that transformative moment. What does he mean when he says, I have been crucified with Christ? Certainly at this point in his life, Paul had not yet been physically crucified. Yet he had undergone such a profound change in the moment when Christ saved him from his sin that he can use the imagery of being put to death along with Christ. His old way of life was crucified. And now he is a new creation, Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because he had died to his old way of life, the things that he considered of value prior to his salvation were no longer important afterward. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. In verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish When you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ, we died to our old way of life. The things that the unbelieving world around us delights in and their order of priority should no longer match with our own. The problem is that sometimes you and I live like we haven't died with Christ. We live like Peter, wanting to please other people. Wanting to look good in the eyes of others, afraid of what others might think of us or do to us if we confess the name of Christ. We don't consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Can you say that? The purpose of his life is entirely different now after salvation. It is no longer self-focused, but Christ-oriented. Paul's life was no longer his own, but belonged to the Savior who loved him and gave himself for him. Can you say that? Is the purpose of your life so focused as to be an instrument of righteousness for Christ's use? Do you consciously think of yourself as crucified with Christ? When you face temptation to sin, do you stop yourself and think, I've been crucified with Christ. My life belongs to Him. Does He want me doing this? Thinking this? Feeling this? Beyond simply sin and temptation, do we involve God in the everyday decisions of our lives? As we think, uh, face various choices, do we involve our Savior? Do we pray, Lord, is this what you want for me to be doing? Or do we just go about our day without much thought about God, making decisions on our own without involving the Lord in our lives and our decision-making process. Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. His life is wholly given over to Christ so that he can say Christ is the one who lives in him and through him and no longer himself because he died in his old way, to his old way of life. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The Christian life is a life lived through faith, not through law-keeping or adherence to mosaic rituals or restrictions. It is one of loving service to our Savior, not cold, hard obligation. Verse 21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul's final words in this chapter hit hard against the Judaizers. Paul is not the one who nullifies the grace of God. To rebuild what has been torn down, to turn back to the law of Moses when one has been freed from the law by Christ is what effectively nullifies the grace of God. Paul puts it in no uncertain terms here. If righteousness comes through obedience to the law, the death of Jesus, he says, was pointless. Now, the purpose of our focus today... If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've been united to him. And through your union with Christ, you were crucified with him to your old way of life and born again as a new creation. You've died then to sin. So live your life Like you're dead to sin, don't give in to its temptations. Later in his life, Paul would write the following words while imprisoned in Rome If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you've trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, your life is no longer your own. You died to your old way of life. Don't continue to live in sins that characterize unbelievers. Don't live like the rest of the world. Don't make decisions like the rest of the world makes its decisions. Don't pursue the things that the rest of the world pursues. Don't spend your time on the things that the rest of the world wastes its time on. You died to those things. And now your life belongs to Christ. Let him be the purpose and focus of your earthly life. Paul was saying, Galatians 6.14, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Maybe this chapel message will serve as something as of a wake-up call for some in this room. To be very honest, there have been some ways in which it has been a wake-up call for uh, myself. You have salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, but perhaps at times we live our lives for our own pleasure, our own purposes our own glory. Maybe it's time to take, the, take to heart the words of Paul to render yourself to God as crucified with Christ, crucified to this world and its pleasures. Maybe the Spirit of God is convicting you and me this morning to start living our lives for the glory of Jesus rather than for our own. There's no better time than right now right here, to dedicate yourself and your life to the Lord Jesus and live your life for his glory. You've been crucified with Christ. Can you say that with the Apostle Paul this morning? That it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me.